Have you heard those recordings yet? Which ones? Where the um, people... Um, are, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's so loud. <laughs> there you go. That's too quiet. Now I can't hear anything. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know you were starting. It's those recordings where the people are real close to the mic. Can you... I, now I can have a little bit more volume. Thanks. I haven't heard this far into the song in a while. It's nice. Yeah, it's a long... Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a good fade. It's a, it's a quality song. I stand by my work. What's up, dude? What's up with you? We haven't we haven't had a podcast in like a month. It's been a long time. People are... Four people are wondering what happened to us. <laughs> they're just assuming we died. Yeah, they're like, well... This is our lives now without, uh, I was going to say February album writing month. I'm no, we're still in February. Today is February 22nd. Yeah, I know. And Peter Tork has died. No, oh, yes, at 77. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. Me too. He was my favorite monkey. Yeah, I think I, I we talked about it last night as uh, Mike Nesmith was always my favorite. Yeah. But. Uh, well, I think that like the difference is, is that Mike Nesmith, according to reports, did not like always brushed up again or like pushed up against the fact that they were sort of like a, a a curated band yeah, and really wanted to push the musicality of the group. And it didn't seem like, I mean, <laughs> I think I've done, a, I haven't done, you know, like extensive reading on the monkeys, but I've done some reading on it. Because <laughs> my, my research has shown. <laughs> I watched the show when I was a kid. I liked the, the songs and I liked the TV show and I, I found the characters appealing and the music appealing. And yeah. so I've authored four papers that are peer reviewed <laughs> <laughs> about the monkeys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Peter Tork was also an incredibly talented folk musician mm-hmm. and, and, and comic about it too. I mean, he had, he was, would make fun of himself. There's yeah. another a musician who I love that my dad introduced me to that I always talk about. I think his name is Tom Lehrer. L E H R E R. Isn't that the math guy? Yeah. And yes, like we listened to him on tour. He has math songs and he, he just really very, 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 very talented, but also very heady. Mm. Speaking of heady, Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar. She just died. Did she die? Yeah, she died last year or two years ago. Did she? she? I, don't know, I was making that up. Yeah. No, I think she is deceased. Yes. But she was not only a pretty face, but a beautiful mind. Invented stuff. Hmm. That led to, I think, Wi-Fi. Wow. I think I think she founded Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> she, she built the Baltimore subway system. She's the heart of the Baltimore subway system. <laughs> Man. Anyway, we are jumping right into the we topics are. today. We haven't even we haven't even said welcome to the oh. Why Aren't You Famous podcast. This is because I'm drinking coffee and I haven't woken my brain up. Welcome to the Why Aren't You Famous podcast. My name is Ellen Cherry. I'm here with my co-host. Andrew Grimm. Good morning. Good morning. What do you want to talk about today since we're not on tour? Well, we're not on tour, but and we haven't done an episode since January 20th. That was the Lou Poster episode. I think that was the last one we did. Wow. Okay. And so, you know, we've got to get back in the saddle and and, and get some stuff done. Yeah. Um, So I thought we would talk about FOM, February Album Writing Month. Uh, I am now currently watching some dog use your outside window as a... Yep. That's what I get to look at every day. Oh, he's going for it too. Oh yeah, don't look. Um, Seriously, <laughs> my piano faces my window, and oh boy, frequently there are dogs. Um, defecating. God, I wasn't going to use that word. It's too early to use the word. Defecating. It's offensive to our early morning listeners. 
<laughs> well, they're not going to listen to this early in the morning. But I have to tell you that, like, the... <laughs> can we talk about... Can we talk about shit? Sure. So, like... Let it fly. The way people talk about defecating mm-hmm. and all the euphemisms that we have for words uh, that evacuating, are... Evacuating. Right? Eliminating. Eliminating your bowels. Right. And in my family, it was a bowel movement. Right. And we actually referred to it um, by its initials. Huh. BM. I got a BM I got to do. Yeah. Right. Well, I never said that. Oh, my God. <laughs> you wouldn't just announce it. But now that you mention it. <laughs> right, right, right. You, oh, you have a, you have, there's a BM that's happening now? Uh, We're going to have to erase this whole thing. <laughs> why? It's really good. <laughs> anyway, did you guys have a family tradition of what you called it? Was it like poop? Um, uh, I think this was before my time, which was only like a year, but my brother used to call it making turtles. <laughs> what? <laughs> How old was he? Uh, he's he 28. No, he was <laughs> That was like two or three or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean... That's hilarious. Okay, well... Um, <laughs> hey, we're having a technical glitch. Can oh, we just pause for a second while right, we fix it? Yes. Thanks. Oh, I'm so glad we fixed that because uh, it was like... That was a serious technical glitch and it was making the recording uncomfortable. So I'm glad we're... <laughs> Could yeah. you guys hear that? Could you hear that? I couldn't hear it. You weren't feeling it? I wasn't feeling it, but okay. you know... That, that's the whole thing. Like, you don't know the plumbing's backed up until, you know, something happens. What are you talking about? This is a technical glitch. Oh. Anyway, let's move on. Well, I was using plumbing as a metaphor for my recording rig. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So. So. <clears throat> yeah. So we've established the reason why we're jabber jawing. We're jabber jawing uh, to, to fill a little bit of time, but we have to do some planning and stuff like that. And I don't think people, uh, or maybe people do know this, um, the independent musician game is really difficult sometimes in terms of uh you know, setting goals, planning, getting them there. And then when you're on tour for a long time, you, you don't, you're not paying attention to certain things. There's nobody on the other end who's like orchestrating anything for you. You got to come back and say, oh, wait a moment. Yes. Yeah, so this has been the highlight of a lot of our um, work conversations for many months now, which is the, and maybe we should just be really intentional about it because there may be somebody listening out here who has the key to this, but both of us need booking agents. Yes. I have um, one who does some stuff for libraries and stuff out in California, but I haven't um, set that up yet. Um, But we need somebody who can take on the fact that both of us are like, we're up and running, we're ready to go. And we just, we need somebody who has that infrastructure to put us in the right places because I do not want to play to a two, you know, 20,000 person stadium like Billy Joel did it's that doesn't interest me but if you have a theater with 500 seats that's the place I want to play I want to play that place 200 seats house concerts um it is the most exhausting part of it I think you said um what was the word you used (sighs) plumbing no (laughs) because I was like challenging is not the right word because it's more than challenging because if it was challenging it's just sort of like yeah it's 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 the last thing that I want to do but it's one of the most important beneficial things that I can do dedicate you know time to every day so we're working on it we sort of abandoned our March tour 
Um, yeah, I got the window got too close. And- yeah, and it's like the the issue for me is that, um, and this is a phrase I've used a lot more in the last couple of months, which is like, it's very challenging, which is not encompassing enough of a word to both be the business and run the business. Um, yeah. And people, um, some people have suggested to me that I get a manager to manage some of these aspects. But the cold, hard facts of that economically is that a manager will not even become interested in you unless you're making a profit yeah. of at least $50,000 a year yeah. because they're going to take 20% of everything that you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't make $50,000 a year. No, I make around twenty-two dollars to $24,000 a year. And that's not a complaint. That's like awesome. Um, one of the things that you and I have been talking about for the last week is that we, um, I just had my 20th college reunion two, it would have been two years ago. I graduated in 1997 and to talk to other college classmates who have been in structured careers where there is a pathway to, you know, a higher income or greater opportunities they've been working towards that for two decades and you and I have been working in a field that the reward system is not guaranteed. It's a gamble. Right. And so you work for 20 years and I'm very proud of what I've achieved. And I also think that friends and colleagues would look at my life and, and, and be very envious of it because I have a lot of freedom. Yeah to make my own schedule and to do what I want. And I've made choices to do that. But at the same time, and I feel that way too. I feel really strongly. I'm very, very happy with the choices that I've made. I'm not disappointed at all that I, you know, I'm not like, right. This isn't the story of regret. Yeah, no, it's not (laughs) at all. It's just the story of like, how do I, how do I align my life goals with my artistic vision? And then also, how do I also continue to find work? Like I have work, you know, for next year, but it's like one or two gigs, but it would be wonderful if, um, it was just a little bit more, um, out of my hands. Yeah. I just, I just want to be on the road all the time. Yeah. I I, I want to be touring. Like I, I want to do 250 shows. (laughs) Like I don't, I have nothing that's really, keeping me in, 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 in Maryland now that, now that I rented out a room to, to Pete. Yeah. And so, and, and he's, he's a great guy and he's taking care of my cats while I'm on tour. And Pete is a writer. Yeah. He's a writer. He's got a memoir that he's been working on for a couple of years now. And this is Pete Schmader. Pete Schmader. He, um, ran a coffee shop in Baltimore called the El Rancho Grande, Grande. Yeah. in the aughts. In the aughts. And, um. Yeah, down in the aughts in all Hamden, you know. <laughs> He was down off the avenue. During the aughts um, of the early 21st century. And we used to go and play there. And Yeah, we have a picture of us playing there. There's a picture of me wearing a terrible outfit. That's not, it wasn't a terrible outfit. This is, this is the reason why I don't dress myself. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the difference between a good outfit and a bad outfit. Well, I just think it's amusing to me that <clears throat> at the age of 43, like, you're, I... You're wearing leopard print pants right now. <laughs> no that's a life goal man <laughs> i said that when i was 20 i was like when i get older i am going to be wearing leopard print pants because these are the the shit was that, was, was that in your uh, diary in your many many diaries <laughs> Back, like after you saw like madonna 
You're like, you're like, what are these things I'm feeling? Oh my goodness. And then like the next day, I really want to get to a point where I'm comfortable wearing leopard print house pants. House pants. I need to find a market for that. I don't think it was Madonna's influence. I think it's um, a woman who um, shares my birthday. Oh, Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller. Phyllis motherfucking Diller. All right. Didn't we talk about her last year when she died? <laughs> She's been dead for a while. Phyllis Diller? No, she just died. She died like two years ago, I think. Didn't she? Yeah. I don't know. Because I thought she was dead for a long time. I mean, no offense to Phyllis Diller's ghost, but I thought she was dead a long time ago. And then like, it's like Phyllis Diller died. I was like, again? Huh. She's that amazing. She died twice. Well, and you know how She's people- like a Bond villain. <laughs> she is. Like, Do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to laugh, Mr. Bond. Um, it's one of those things where like you see somebody what post the hell it. are we talking about oh, we're gonna get back to it I, I got it I got okay it. Um, it's one of those things where on it was a moment on Facebook where somebody posts something like you know I don't know DeForest Kelly from Star Trek died and they're like I can't believe he's dead it's like dude he died like 15 years ago like somebody's just getting caught up on the news that somebody's and the they internet post- is overwhelming and also the fact that there's like 7.8 billion people and it's hard to keep track of who's living and who's dead. It really is difficult. I, sometimes I myself do not know the difference. Yeah, right. Because there's people dying all the time who we don't even know that they're dead because we didn't even know they were alive. Yes. Like Peter Tork. Well, I didn't knew he was alive. Yeah, I knew. Well, he played the mojo. Did he really? Uh-huh, he played the mojo. <gasps> I think I saw. Did I think you went to? I didn't go to it. I know I didn't go to this. I think he played there twice. Actually, he played the iota a bunch of times too. I thought that I had seen him. I think I saw him at the mojo room. Yeah, I've seen so many people who have died. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, right. there was a specific question I was going to ask. We, we need to get you to see Trump quick. <laughs> no offense to Trump. I mean, ultimate offense to him. I hope my whole life is an offense to him. (laughs) I hope the whole... It actually is. An independent woman with with independent thoughts and and, and no desire whatsoever to be anywhere near the vicinity of him. That's that's offending him. Good. I'm going to keep being offensive. Good. You do that. It's a radical act. I'm going to redirect a little bit. Good. Let's do it. Because what we're doing is uh, we were going to talk about FOM today. Yes. And we've, we've talked about the music a little bit and we've kind of made our... Our, our, our fairly regular pitch that we need management or we want booking or whatever. Well, we don't need management as much as we need booking. Like I can manage my, it's when your career becomes unmanageable that you need a manager. Yeah. Um, the thing about the whole booking thing, if I, if I go down that rabbit hole for just one moment is this idea of like, um, if anyone's listening and they're like, Oh, you know, my friend, I'm going to send you a link to my friend. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you talk to your friend first? Yeah. And see if they're taking somebody on. Because every time somebody sends me something and says, hey, my friend does booking. You, Don't you get a little excited? And it's like, okay, well, I sent him an email. And the first response has always been, it has never been anything different than this ever, ever, ever. It's always the same. No. Hey, but at least you heard back. At least I heard back. That's true. Yeah. But it's, but it's always been the same. Like, no, we're not. No. Um, and, 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 which is fine. I don't, I don't, but I, I don't like, you know, I don't want to waste anybody's time. I don't want, I don't want anybody sending me something that says, dude, these guys are going to totally hook you up. And then they're not. Yeah. And it's like, eh, I don't know. Check with them first <laughs> to, to see if they're taking on new people. And if they are, 
you know, whatever. But like, I don't know, it gets in that, you get in that echo chamber or that cycle of like, well, I'm small potatoes and I always will be. And so I'm not really worried about it. Well, and this, because I'm, I'm not worthy apparently. Well, you are, I am, but, um, and this brings me to the topic of FOM and the fact (sighs) that like, there's a lot of letting go that goes with that because Mm -hmm. we are letting, you know, you and I've had this conversation before and I've had this conversation with other artists and musicians too, that I, I had the, I had the ability to go to Nashville or go to LA or go to New York and really pursue a publishing deal and be like, that's what I really want to do is become a songwriter. And my life took a different path. I just, I didn't, I, I w- I've never been singularly focused that way. Um, I'm multiply focused. I, I really enjoy multiple instruments and exploring lots of different ideas, but I'm also interested in like the, you know, life and the planet. And I love swimming and reading books and being interested in a lot of different things on science. And so I think you have to be singularly focused on the goal of, I'm going to write as many songs as possible. I'm going to try to get hits. I'm going to try to get people to perform my songs. And <clears throat> one of the, a Grammy winner this year, Casey Musgraves, I think pursued that Mm-hmm. pretty ardently she wrote for a bunch of other people yeah for a long time and she wrote for herself and i think she's an incredible writer and performer and um and then you have brandy carlisle's career also grammy winner didn't she win a grammy this year yeah i think she won a grammy um i didn't watch him sorry um so do not care about the Grammys. yeah i used to be a member and i it would be interesting to go back into that organization, I think, at some point in the future, but not for me right now. Anyway, but to see her trajectory, which she always focused on her own music and um, and writing for herself. And I've been watching her for 15 years since she bumped me off the evening muse gig in North Carolina. And I was like, who's Brandy Carlisle? And then I was like, uh, oh, my God. Nah. Um, that's Brandy Carlisle. I was like, oh, OK, she's really good. <laughs> so it's kind of worth it. Um, anyway, the, the artistic pursuit I think is what has driven both of us. And, and there's this feeling that I have that at the end of my life, when I look back, if I have a moment to look back, um, and reflect on the things that I did with my time on the planet, this is worthy. I'm not going to be stressed about that. I'm not going to be stressed about not pursuing something single-mindedly. I think that this was a much more um, whimsical and fun approach. And FOM feeds into that because mm-hmm. FOM is February album writing month. It was begun um, by Burr Settles, I think. In, it was Burr Settles in 2004. Didn't he have a collaborator that he was working with too? I can't remember the other guys. Uh, well, I mean, it was Burr Settles, um, Matt Hopper, um, and two other guys, or three other guys. Yeah, there was like five of them in, in 2004. Right. And then you and I joined in 2005. It's an online community. You can check it out at fom.org. That's F as in Frank, A as in Aperture, <laughs> W as in Walrus, mm. and Mem. Mem, <laughs> yes. M as in Matriculation. Mm. Dot O R G, which is O as in O, A A R as in R, and G as in G. Fom.org. You search for Ellen Cherry. You can go to my page. I have five songs up. And if you search for Andrew Grimm, I have five songs up. Yep, you'll find him. 
Um, our friend Steve Dawson is also doing it. But in 2005, there was like 15 of us, 19, 19 of us. And then it just started growing. And now yeah. it's hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, all over the world. writing. And it's really cool because you'll get comments on your songs from somebody in Sweden, somebody in South mm-hmm. Africa who's like, I was listening, you know, and you think you were listening at three in the morning across the world to a song that I wrote yesterday on a whim yeah. and recorded. And the, the songs... I love the concept of it because it's the sort of worldwide focused energy on the creative process. And I would say that the majority of the energy that's going into the creative process for most of these people is deep introspection for them mm-hmm. and reflection and fun and and producing something, creating something out of nothing, which is what we do. We have an idea and then we bring it forth into a vibration, basically, mm-hmm. that we think this will connect with somebody else. Right. And it's a really positive thing. And even the FOM organization that Burr started online has it right at the top. This is a friendly place. Right. Um, your comments need to be friendly. And people are really respectful of yeah. that, and they're and and people do the right thing, which is the PQP a lot, you know, mm-hmm. like Praise. praise, question, polish, mm-hmm. and some of the suggestions have been really helpful for me. And also, to go to a place like FOM that is not like a a a like or a heart on Instagram, there's actually somebody who sat and listened to your you know, demo that I made or my demo that I made in like five minutes mm-hmm. because I was just like, I got to do some other stuff, but I have to get the song completed and off my brain. It, it It's a great exercise for me every year. Yeah. And even if I don't achieve 14 songs, I at least get one or two that I'm just like, Hey, I didn't realize that that was going to be a cool riff that was going to show up somewhere else. Or, yeah. and for you, tell us about your farm experience. Cause it usually is very, very, Excuse me. <laughs> I'm bourbon. Man, I'm glad that's your microphone. <laughs> you own that. I do own I own you, microphone. I'm going to burp all over you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my fom. She's into it. <laughs> she's into it. My fom experience has always been uh, a way to develop my songwriting process. I think because and, and, I didn't have a defined process from 98 up until 2005 it was always kind of like you got the impulse and you just wrote i just wrote right there would just be there'd just be a collection of of moments that i was like oh here's what i'm gonna do and Mm -hmm. and with the farm thing it was it's it's shaped over a couple years but the reason i was able to get 14 songs reasonably you know fast within 20 days or so was um that i i started with the the idea of like a, a chord progression and then um, before I started using MIDI drums, uh, I would do a chord progression and then I would try to layer something over top of it. Uh, and then while I was, while I was practicing those things, I would do like kind of that, the, the, what a lot of songwriters do is the sing song mumble Mm -hmm. and try to kind of suss out where a melody might go or just like one or a musical covenant of the yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And it's like, and, and so you try to find words that will fit rhythmically and then also in a, in a, in a lyrical melodic way is at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then bring that to, um, to a, a, a final form somehow. And usually, I don't know. I mean, within, 
two hours, I think. Like I'd have a finished demo mm -hmm. and most of the words would have fallen in place. So I might take a break and take 20 minutes to work through the lyrics in my kitchen is where I usually do my lyric writing. Mm. Uh, standing up um, where my table is with either, depending on what time of day it is, uh, coffee or beer. Um, <laughs> and just, you know... Those are your motivating libations. They, they are. And I, and I, I sit there, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture. Pete took a picture of me writing one of my farm songs yesterday. Oh, cool. Uh, so maybe that can make it up on the website. It would be kind of cool. Yeah. You know. Um, Our processes are very different. Very, very different. And and now that I have MIDI drums, it's really like I will come up with the idea of what I what I'm thinking will happen with the with the with the guitar parts or, or whatever. And then I go immediately I go to the drum program. Yeah, you do that. And I start tapping out drum stuff and I start piecing it together that way. And and you know, I don't wanna make it seem like I, I simplify the process and so it doesn't have any thought to it. However, uh, I'll look at like, well, I'm going to do eight bars for this verse. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do, you know, four bars for the chorus. And then I start mixing and matching that way. And then I start thinking, well, you know, what would be kind of cool is like if I had a little instrumental that was the first half of a verse and then instead of having an eight-bar verse, I'll have a four-bar verse. Um, what about a bridge? Blah, blah, blah. So I go in there and I tinker with all that stuff. And that, after that's done, I put it in the program, or I put it in Logic, and I start, now I'm starting to burp. What's going on with this coffee? This coffee is like... It's like Belchamatic. It is. Oh, that's because I was at Trader Joe's and I got oh. the Belchamatic coffee. <laughs> Just kidding. I can't afford Trader Joe's. <laughs> it's from Safeway. Oh, good. This isn't the decaf, is it? Because I'm going to be very upset. I don't buy decaf coffee anymore. You don't? No. Oh, you found out it was bad for you? Well, uh, no, I just was like, what's the point of that? I know, right? Well, I think your point was that you wanted a cup of coffee, but you didn't want the caffeine. Yeah, that's true. That's a pretty quick flip-flop. I should buy yeah. decaf again. <laughs> Damn it. I changed my mind. Got your number. So anyhow. No, there's like a special process they do with it that like kills unicorns or something. Yeah. And I was no. just like, nah, I don't no. want to do that because no. I don't really like unicorns. And I know that they're like, okay quick side trip yes they just found a bee in indonesia that they thought was extinct for 38 years this is a bee the size of a of a man's thumb not a woman's thumb a man's thumb <laughs> although a big bee. i know it's plus the fact bee. <laughs> anyway i just thought it was funny when right. i read the article i was like could it just be a human thumb anyway it's a it's a large bee men always taking credit for the size of bees <laughs> god but the fact that they found the these biologists found it in Indonesia, they thought it was extinct for 38 years. And then another article I read yesterday was about a tortoise that was they thought extinct for a hundred years that they found in the Galapagos Islands. And so, I was hanging out with a bee. I'm pretty sure that, like, relatively soon, they're gonna find a unicorn. Right. And they're going to be like, if we hadn't been processing decaf coffee, if we hadn't been decaffeinating something that's supposed to naturally be caffeinated, it wouldn't right. have destroyed the habitats of the unicorns. Anyway, well, back to your process. Once again, man tinkering with nature. Will we ever learn? Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Because nature finds a way. I'm just going to quote Jurassic Park for as long as I possibly can. <laughs> God. Um, anyhow, Isn't so... Is nominated for an Oscar this year? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the original Jurassic Park? Yeah, it's got, a, it's got a lot of Oscar buzz about it. Because they're just like... I feel like there's at least one movie that's a rehashed old terrible idea. 
Yeah. Except that Jurassic Park was a good idea. Yeah. Oh, imagine. Run. Imagine if if a star is born had been like Jurassic Park. Oh, I, w- I would have watched it twice. Why can't somebody make that movie? Yeah. Well, anyway, anyhow, uh, should my, we talk about my process? Anyhow, anyhow, <clears throat> I just write a bunch of junk and then I just tap it into a computer and an algorithm makes it happen. Mm-mm. So No, but I like the fact that like you decided, I mean, this is a pretty distinct difference because this has been happening for about two years now that you've been structuring your, it's not just that you're structuring your songs, it's that you're beginning your process by basically... Figuring out quickly, figuring out the chord progression, and then immediately putting a rhythm section on it mm-hmm. to give you a scaffolding. Yeah, and I've watched you develop those songs that way. And actually, you can you did it on I did it online, yeah, um, a couple months ago on a, a a marathon, four hour four hour Facebook Live event. Yeah, that you did it was awesome. Yeah, and that was all. That was, none of that was edited or anything. That was like literally my process. It was not not literally. It was exactly my process. I tried to do, <clears throat> not tried, I did something similar but without the visuals because my leopard print pants are for close friends only. Those are pay-per-view. Those are, <laughs> they should be. <laughs> hey, good idea. Premium, premium channel <laughs> Premium on subscription. Yeah. Premium Ellen Cherry Van Camp subscription is that you get to watch me like walk around my house in my leopard print house pants. House pants. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... I, and you didn't think this podcast was going to go anywhere interesting. It is very interesting. It's funny. Um, there. So yesterday when I was writing uh, a FOM demo called What If. As if. As if. Um, what if I decided to do something similar, but it, it's not that I like decided to do it. I just naturally did it, which is this is part of my process, which is like I'm just going to record a little melody and I injured my finger like three weeks ago. And so I've been mostly playing piano and not playing guitar because my finger, my left ring finger hurts. Um, I smashed it. And um, the only person to blame is Andrew Grimm. <laughs> I I should have been setting up. Actually, we, you, you could sue mums. Oh, I could. You can get like a bottle of evil out of it. <laughs> I was setting up a speaker and a smash moan finger. Um, anyway, so the process yesterday was... I recorded like 30 seconds of it and then I kept, and I do that so that I don't forget the immediate like great thing that I felt like just happened or the melody I'm going to forget. And then I recorded a little bit longer version about an hour later. And then about 30 minutes later, I've been playing it a lot more and I recorded that. And then I um, decided yesterday on Facebook, I was like, I'm trying to get better at, well, I'm not trying to get better. I'm just trying to engage um, in social media in a way that doesn't feel like I'm having to do a bunch of extra work. Mm-hmm. So I just rehearse basically. And, you know, people might find it interesting or they may find it completely tedious. But I said at the top of the Facebook live video yesterday, you're going to hear me play the same song four times in a row to a metronome. If that interests you, proceed. Here we go. Let's do it. So I just like set the metronome and I started playing the song. And because I'm trying to get comfortable with the tempo and the purpose of it was so that right immediately finishing the video, I recorded a demo of it um, and felt rehearsed. But my my process is definitely not like getting that structure right away. It's like I have to record several versions of it. And mm-hmm. I think that that should be obvious in the fact that like I have a song that's on three different albums over the last 20 years. The song Sons of Fire. Mm-hmm. It's on three different recordings and it's three different versions. Um, and 
it's funny to me because I've done that a couple of times. Songs from New Year's made it, or mm. songs from years made it onto New Year's, made it onto portraits, and right. it's like they've evolved over time. And the songs for me needed to mature and grow and change, not drastically in some cases, but they just needed to age. Sure. And I think like like like, like a Vermont cheddar. <laughs> well, for me, for for my work the explosive first exciting idea is not reflective enough mm-hmm. and I need a lot of time and I'm working on a project right now where I'm writing songs and then we're recording them right away and it's like the official recording and it's very uncomfortable yeah. because I'm used to like having songs in performance rotation for a year and recording them right. and so this is a new challenge for me but I've always, up until this year, I was like sort of envious of your process because your process is um, streamlined in a way Mm -hmm. and you're able to get your ideas out. And then I just let go of that because I was like, well, I can't be any, I can't do it any other way. And that feeling of acceptance has really helped me this fall because I've just been like, I, every fall I've started and been like, I have to do 14 songs and not looking back and realizing like every year I get like two or three really good ones that I like and play and that's good enough. And, and the self-imposed pressure, it's not like there's somebody who's just like demanding 14 songs. Nobody expects it. When, When we were younger, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008 I think those are all the years that I did 14 mm. and then after 2000 when I got to 2009 I was like I don't know I e- I eked out like eight yeah and then after that like there's I think there's one year I didn't even do it really uh, I think there might have been a year I didn't do or I did I did just like one song yeah I think that was it wasn't that was the year before my divorce I think mm. something like that um, I have to go back and take a look at my my digital archives. Yeah. There, I mean, there's stuff that I don't even have anymore that's like gone. Um, yeah. Stuff I did on my my um, Tascam recorder and like and not tapes, but digital stuff. Yeah. that's just it's gone in the wind. Who knows? Um, that's why I'm so paranoid about losing my phone. Because for the I've had this iPhone, which I don't really like iPhone. Right? I keep trying. I've had it for two years, and I'm just like, mm. I like my yeah. I, I like my Macs computers, but the iPhone. Yeah. Well, I, I, we need to redirect a little bit. That's true. Anyway, I don't want to lose that phone because the point is it has like a year's worth of demos on it that I'm just like, I need to go back and listen to those stuff and see if there's anything there. Yeah, you should. Redirect us. Okay, so redirecting. We, instead of having musical guests, we are going to have ourselves as musical guests. Oh, hey. And so we are going to listen to our FOM songs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oddly enough, we, we are going to listen to the first FOM song that each of us put out for this year's 2019 February Album Writing Month. Okay, cool. So we're going to start with yours, which is Bottom of the Stairs. Yes. And uh, we're going to play it, and then we're going to talk for a moment about it, and then we're going to play my song, Okay. which I forget what it's called. But I'll let you know when we get there. Okay, cool. That's what it's called. I'll let you know when we get there. Ooh, it's a good line. You can have that one. Thanks. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. Shh. 
The things are trashed in my distress The hopes are smashed, oh what a mess And there is time still to Step upon the bottom stair, and if they sway or if they shift, this is no ordinary gift. I thank you rests upon my lip I make it up another step It makes me smile when I think how I thought I've reached the bottom now I had miles left to go My path lost in the snow Trashed in my distress My hope I smashed Oh what a mess There is time To start repair I step upon the bottom And if they sway or if they shift, this is no ordinary gift. I think you rests upon my. Take another step. Quiet.
So that's a very good song. Thank you. Yeah, totally. A um, couple things that I think are really great about it, um, just even from a lyrical perspective and also knowing you, um, you think about that bottom stair and trying to move up, you're trying to climb out of like you know, the conversations we've had about One Spark and Eurydice and stuff like that. So I always have those kind of images in my head as you're mm-hmm. trying to, to move out. But also it just occurred to me that there's a lot of Robert Frost going on there too. Oh yeah. Um, who's was these are, I think I know, you know, I have miles to go before I sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that idea of, you know, the journey and the, and, and the elevation and, you know, when you figure out that you're at the bottom step, then you'll take that step. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, Oh, it was just there a moment ago. And now it's gone. It'll come back to me. You'll think of it. Um, but it's a really good song. Uh, the, I like the, the the ricketiness of the stairs, if they move or if they shift. Mm-hmm. And we had that conversation about making sure that you... <laughs> yeah, the second time I don't say it as much. Well, and also I was when I was listening to it now, um, my, my process for um, <clears throat> recording my FOM demos is, is literally like, I have a lot of other stuff to do and I want to get the demo done. So it's like I get two runs at the piano or the mm-hmm. guitar and I get two runs at the vocal. And if it's not right, I'm just like, I don't care. It's, nobody's paying for it. And like, right. I just put it in it up. Well, it's a, it's just a demo. Yeah. And the, the project that I'm working on now is this new performance piece about, um, recovery. And it's a very broad topic, but specifically I'll be talking, I'll be literally dancing with the topic of, violent physical trauma that also results in existential trauma and how to recover, how I've recovered from that, how I'm in the process of recovering from that and learning about it because I have the luxury and time and support to do that and curiosity to try to figure out how my mind has grappled with um, a sense of annihilation and then resulting depression and that it's funny because when I listened to those lyrics, I knew immediately when I recorded it that I had made mistakes in the lyrics that I wanted to change because th- at no point in the song should I be talking about making it up another step because that's not the point of that yet. It, right. The whole point of it is that in the middle of it, the character says, it makes me laugh to think of how I thought, oh, I've reached the bottom now. Right. And it's like, no, you haven't. Because mm-hmm. there's still a whole, like, six more levels to walk down. <laughs> and you will know, maybe, when maybe. you've reached the bottom. And to me, the the idea of... Um, we We have the same... Not we. It appears that humans have the same feelings about depression that they do about death that it's to be avoided at all costs. Mm-hmm. And instead of accepting that there are natural processes in the human animal's life that we're going to experience, and that depression is, is part of that, death is part of that, loss, loss and grief, um, and understanding the physical reactions that we have to these experiences is part of that. And so it may seem macabre, but my 
desire to to dance with those ideas to walk down into them carefully using the handrail right yeah, yeah. like i'm not rushing down oh, the steps that's that osha requirement yeah like i appreciate that osha went into my cone of blackness and was like we're gonna put a, a freaking handrail here yeah. so you at least have something to hold on to as you walk down the steps right right <laughs> thank you osha thank you yeah well it's nice occupational hazards are you know, but, but to be expected but, when you're d- recovering, it's, it's not macabre to to to, to think about um, accepting those things because you. One of the things that damages us, I think, as as uh, as people or as emu- emotional beings, is the fact that we deny mm-hmm. those things and exploring it. Like, you know, you have. I've had students who are like, "Well, that's a really dark thought to have about." Like, you know, I was talking about. We were talking about. Um, uh, anthropomorphizing our pets mm-hmm. and i said i said oh well make no mistake if you die in the house and you're laying there and there's no food your pets will start taking bites out of you yeah like they they will do that because the drive of hunger and then like well you sit around and think about this i'm like uh i thought about it at one and let's point be clear, let's be clear cats are going to make that decision about three days earlier than a dog would that's not true that's not true those dogs they're they're just as bad but the whole thing is like and and these are these are kids you know these are i mean they're not kids they're like 18 19 years old which are still they're young proto adults but but they but they've been trained already in their lives to be like well you shouldn't really think about death no we have a culture of avoidance and and you know, i'm sitting around like i'm yeah you know, yeah every every hour of my day i'm thinking about death no of course not however i i'm i'm a sensitive conscious woke individual who's thinking about like, well, what does mortality mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, I do feel like my time is finite and limited. And it's a great motivator. It is. It's like, I, I don't sit around like waiting for it to happen. I want to, I think you and I had this conversation a while back about, about, you know, doing things and, and, and being active in our lives. And I said, well, I would rather, I'd rather go, knowing that I'm going somewhere rather than waiting around for it. Like I want to have a plan. That really actually helped me on a plane last year because, and I have, you and I had a conversation about that before I took a trip and my friend Liz Downing, who did the um, portraits drawings had said something to me when I was having travel anxiety. And she said, if it helps, this is what I say to myself. I chose this. And to make a choice to be in that situation would be better than to be like, I was forced to be here and I don't, this isn't, I'm doing something that I want to do. And if it happens during that moment, then there's an acceptance there. So, um, yeah, I was, I, our culture of avoidance, I think is leading to, I want us to, it's like, let's, you can't get over something. You, the only way out is through. It's true. We mm-hmm. have to, like the only way out of things is to go through them. Right. And that's what the song is about. And it's definitely going to be incorporated into the new performance piece because the idea of walking down the stairs and thinking that you're finally in the basement of your emotions mm-hmm. and that you can find the way up is, um, is very prevalent in my mind. Let's move on to your song. Okay. Uh, I, I hope people listen through the beginning to get to this rich middle part. Um, you know what? Who cares? We chose this. We chose. We, we chose to talk about shit at the beginning. Right. The, the shit is our handrails to where we're going. So, all right, let's uh, get this going. What's the title of this one? Uh, I have no idea. Um, it is "Get Out While You Can." Oh yeah, that's right. Right on. All right. I like this one. 
Cool. Here we go. terrible nice fade thanks wow i'm super loud now sorry that's okay that's good perfect okay okay so since you talked first after my song i get to talk first after your song okay um it's so fun it's interesting to me because it had this sort of like gin blossomsy beginning and i hadn't listened to that song um for the last like three weeks i think i listened to it right when you first posted it right at the beginning of february because it was before we did that little tour right um your production is really, really good. Um, and I th- think that my initial thought with with that mix was that the vocals were too low, but listening to it again for a second time on headphones, it's just like, I think the vocals are setting really, really well. I love the line about dancing in the street and waiting for the person to pass by. Mm-hmm. And that flipped my in- initial impression of the lyrics, which were like, get out while you can, kind of like a warning, like stay away from this relationship, it's going to be bad. Um and it was more like, no, get out while you can. Get out into the street. Get out into life while you can because it's happening. Yeah. And um, gather ye rosebuds. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, kind of idea. Um, 
guitar sound great, mix is great, nice fades at the end. I'm amazed because you guys that people who are listening to that production that was made in a living room um and to my ears and I think to a lot of people who are listening on um headphones or computer speakers it's really good mix really really good mix and good recording thank you yeah yeah I was uh my my I think my first farm song is not always my it it doesn't have to be the my strongest but it's my I always think like this is the first thing that people are going to hear on my FOM account. Yeah. So I kind of put a little extra <laughs> effort like, into it. Oomph into it. Cause, yeah. And I, and I never know where it's going to go either. Yeah. Um, truth be told, I was listening to a lot of, um, I'm not a huge fan of theirs. I'm, st- I'm kind of vacillating here and there. I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about the band uh, War on Drugs. Because mm. um, they had that one song at the end of the BoJack Horseman season five, uh, Under the Pressure. That's the last song where you see uh, Diane. Oh, driving. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. And like, I just I have goosebumps just thinking about that scene because that song is so perfect. And so I started investigating those guys, and I watched a lot of their uh, a lot of YouTube videos, and I've listened to a bunch of their stuff. And um, and it's very simple, you know, um, vacillations uh, between you know, a whole step. <laughs> They're all like D and C kind of back and forth. And there's a minor that's in there and they do cool stuff with it. So but, simple progression, but they're, they're building on and they're that, layering yeah. like a ton of stuff. And that dude, Adam, whatever his last name is, I'm sorry, Adam, I don't know how to pronounce it. Like, Gujlak or something like that. Um, he, he has like a thousand pedals and on stage he has like nine amps. And so I'm like, okay, well, to me, that's a little overkill, but to him, he's hearing something I'm not hearing, and that, that's fine, bro. You do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of like the idea I had behind what I was doing with the choruses and stuff. And I was just kind of, I wasn't mimicking what they were doing, but it was something in uh, kind of that vein, the, the ooh, get out while you can. And I was doubling my vocals, yeah. which I never do. Um, so I was trying to experiment with, that's the other great thing about FOM is that you experiment and mm-hmm. you try new things. Um, and I have a funny story about war on drugs. One of, uh, uh, one of my, one of my favorite aspects of, of doing songs like this is, and, and people would know it because you hear the, you hear the final product, but I did the, that solo at the end. I probably did like 15, 20 takes of it. And even like listening to it, like there are a couple things that I might want to change, but that's actually a lot of rehearsal for mm-hmm. me and there's a lot of growth for me. Like whenever, because I, w- I have the luxury of being in my living room, redoing that track a thousand freaking times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not losing any money. I'm, I might be losing a little bit of time, but it's time spent, it's invested mm-hmm. in becoming a better guitar player. Uh, and then thinking about parts and the acoustic part at the beginning didn't happen until after I'd written the song. I was thinking about like, well, how do I want to introduce this and how do I want to have uh, an acoustic element enter later or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I came up with that little, as I was, I was talking to Pete and I was talking to him and I was like, doing I was like, oh, that's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I doubled that as well. And then I cut and paste that acoustic guitar at the beginning and then at the end, cause I wanted to, I wanted to bookend it. Mm-hmm something like that anyhow what's your funny story about war and drugs and then we're out of here because we gotta go yeah we gotta go um we gotta go go. we gotta go to the go go 
we gotta find that tape of that guy singing that yes. and play it on the podcast yep. because it's so good. Yep. Wally. Okay, I'm we, wrapping it up. We have four minutes. Four so. minutes. Okay. So it's not even that hilarious of a story. Um, my former drummer Darren Lang was just like, I like this new band, War on Drugs. And so he's like, you should look it up. So like for a week after that, I'm like looking up Warren Dregs, Warren Drugs, Warren Drogo. W-A-R-R-E-N. I was like, who is Warren? Who is this Warren person? And I had no idea. And then I just gave up. And then like a year later, I like saw and I was like, oh, it's Warren Drugs. Anyway, so let's keep, maybe we should fill in some of the season with more FOM talk. Like yeah. we should do another one next week where we just we do another FOM song. Yeah. Well, we also have to organize and get our get our ducks in a row to figure out how we're going to finish finish the season. Season two, that's right. Because it, it kind of like came to a, and we didn't have a plan for the next one, so we'll, we'll do a little powwow and we'll figure it out. Yes. Can I say powwow? Is that cultural? I don't know. I just saw, I just thought of I that. I thought of that too. As soon as I said, it, I was like, oh man. But it's not a bad thing. Like a powwow wasn't a bad thing. It was a gathering of people for whatever it doesn't matter we'll talk about it in the next episode we just revealed the fact that we don't actually know the purpose of it it's yeah. a communal gathering but right. i'd actually okay so basically is, the topic of the next one is going to be like what is that do we need to <laughs> we need to understand the thing that we're talking about yes. um we're gonna have a conversation yes we'll have a, we'll have a conversation a convo <laughs> we'll have a convo at the go-go <laughs> So my name is Ellen Cherry, and I'm going to just go ahead and let you know that you can find me at ellencherry.com. Um, I'm also searchable on the Facebook because my Instagram is at Malapetitza, which is M-A-L-A-P-T-I-C-A, if you're searching for me on Instagram. Um, you can support me by going to ellencherry.bandcamp.com forward slash subscribe. And um, both of us have goals this year to ups, um, up our subscriber numbers. So where can we find you? You can find me at junestar.com, J-U-N-E-S-T-A-R.com. And also you can support me and my subscription at junestar.bandcamp.com forward slash subscribe. Five bucks a month gives you a whole bunch of content. Yep. Like, like seriously, a lot of content. Hours and hours I was, of I was looking at it the other day. I was like, ooh, I wrote a lot of songs. I know, that's good. So anyhow... It was great chatting with you, Ellen Cherry. It was great chatting with you, Andrew Grimm. Have a wonderful day. You too. And thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for like getting all the way to the end point because we love it and we love you. And um, and write some songs, y'all. Yep. See ya. Bye. Bye. I like that you waved. <laughs>